Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. And we're back. It is Thursday, the 4th of May. That makes it episode 410. (laughs) Boy. And uh, we're going to bring back a feature that I haven't done in quite some time. That is a thoughtful Thursday. I am going to take an issue. I'm going to spend a little time talking about it. And then I'm going to give you my personal thoughts as well as a couple options that might, might be useful in making a difference. It's curious to me how... Uh, we think that there's only one way to fix things. We we don't want to talk about the idea that there could be other alternatives because for whatever reason, it doesn't meet with what, <laughs> curiously enough, the zeitgeist of the day is. <laughs> okay, so I have uh, the community impact that uh, was published from April 27th to May 24th, uh, which I just received, I guess, this last week. That'd be Volume 9, Issue 1. The front page, Residents Face Grocer Gap. Community groups fill needs left by the East Side Food Desert. Okay. So let me just say from the onset, I actually am familiar with what a food desert is. I am dubious as to whether or not it is the big problem or that it's mm, as extensive a problem, let's put it that way, that it's painted to be. Obviously, if you have whole sections of the city that don't have grocery stores, that could be a problem. And depending on how you count it and what you're counting, they may have other options. But it's mm, fair to say that if you don't have options to fresh food and various other things, that could be detrimental to you. In today's day and age, there is tons of people that have cars or friends and family that have cars. There is this thing called Uber and Lyft that can come and get you. And yes, it's not free, but nothing's free. So let's go, now that we've established that, yeah, there is an issue here. Now, how big an issue is it? Mm, Don't know. I mean, is it really that much of a burden to get in your car and drive two miles? Um, Maybe, maybe for some people it is. I'll I'll grant you that. Maybe there's a certain segment of the population that just can't make it work. I'll grant you that. And the community organizations and the churches that are there doing the work, they're filling the gap. I appreciate that. I think that's a good thing. I, I'm very happy that those exist. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be upfront with you. I actually have you know a heart for this. I um when I was young, you know, we had to do some things sometimes to have enough food. I, I get it. It's 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 not a comfortable situation. It's not uh, not anything that anybody aspires to do or experience. So when I'm looking at the map they have here, and it, basically East Highway 5, they have two um, nonprofits that are East Highway 5. Now, I've been all about, and, I, and I'll tell you, as a relatively fit middle-aged man, I can walk a mile and a half, no problem. Uh, 
don't necessarily want to do it with a couple sacks of grocery to go back home, but it can be done. And when I was a young man, uh, I could tell you many, many, many times, Stephen, take some money, go up to the store and get a gallon of milk, bring it back. Eh, the store was probably, let's call it a half mile. Might have been closer to three quarters of a mile. Straight up one road. Uh, yeah, I'd say between a half, three quarters of a mile. And I was walking that mm, from probably about the age 10, 11 till about 13. And uh, you carry a gallon of milk for that period of time. Uh, your hands get kind of tough after a while. I, it was not every week, and but there were times you got to have milk and dad's not home and we don't have another car. So hoof it, go. It, it's not the end of the world. So let's look at the greater problem here. Okay. There is a population, which by this map here shows there's roughly 34,000 people that don't have a grocery store that's close to them. So that means they'd have to get in their car and drive a couple miles, potentially. One of the things that I found interesting, and there is in fact an Albertsons that is uh, not far from the area they have labeled off as a food forest. But I think the difference is, is where it's located is across a busy road. And I think that's perhaps why they're cycling off. But. This goes directly to another issue, right? So yes, we would like for everybody to have access within walking distance or a short ride or getting on a bike or whatever, put it in a wagon to go get some groceries. That's the ideal, right? That That's the ideal that everybody's striving for, apparently. But what if there's other things going on? Now, if you're going to put a grocery store in, and I'm going to use the specs they got out front here. I don't know if they've got money, but I'm going to guess that HEB store that's going to have 750 employees and be 118,000 square foot. I'm going to guess that's millions and millions of dollars. Now, if you're HEB, do you want to put it on the corner of Eldorado and Custer, which is a major intersection, smack dab in the middle of, mm, let's call it 400,000 people, or would you want to put it over on the east side, west of McDonald, or I'm sorry, east of McDonald, where there's really no good road access, really no high visibility, and quite frankly, mm, there's nothing population-wise of any significance east of there. So you're going to be catering to, let's say, best case scenario, 60,000 people. I mean, just simple math tells you that that's not an ideal location. Now, they could maybe put something about 380 in airport. I mean, I could make an argument that that's a good location and that would give pretty decent coverage on that side. But if you're going to talk about 380 and east of 75, there's three or four stores right up there. Um, but that's not counted in this either. So again, if you take away the people that can drive and you take away the people that might get on a bike or pull a wagon and you extrapolate it out to more than a half a mile. Yeah. I concede that there's a lot of areas over there that don't have coverage. Now let's, we've talked about the fact that it's true. They don't have the coverage and I've hinted at why that might be. Let us further go into the idea that 
Uh, there used to be once upon a time, a whole bunch of stores up and down highway five. Well, why are they gone? Cause they couldn't make money. Nobody operates a business or a store long-term that's not making money. If you can't pay your bills, you can't stay open. It doesn't matter how nice and how good and whatever else. If you can't make money and you can't pay your bills, you can't stay open. That's why those stores aren't there. Now, I'm not even going to touch on the crime issue. I'm not even going to touch on the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Loss? I think it's loss. They have a special term that they use that's softer than theft. But uh, I'm not not even going to go there. I'm not going to blame it on any of that. Just suffice it to say is if you don't have adequate customers, paying customers, you can't stay in business. Now, the whys and the wherefores are largely irrelevant. So let me ask you, realistically, if you are the company that owns Albertsons, Kroger, or Market Street, and Tom Thumb, or even Walmart for that matter, are you going to put your store where you lose money? The answer is obvious. No, of course not. Why would you do that? Who, who puts a store up? that they know they can't make money with. Now, occasionally they'll put a store up and find out long-term that they're not going to make enough money to justify it being open. I mean, we see that all the time with Walgreens and CVS, but you don't go somewhere where you know you can't make a profit. And that's not really anybody's fault. It's just kind of the way it is. Now, I would submit to you if, if the development was thought out a little better, in my opinion, you could realistically find a place on the corner of airport in 380 and put in a smaller grocery store there. You could. You could also put it on uh, the section of what is it, 546 uh, and Airport Road. You could probably put something in there, but that's all warehouses now. Do you really want to put a grocery store in, buy a bunch of warehouses? I think not. Do you really want to put a grocery store right next to an airport? I'm going to guess not. Although it happens, I've seen it. But again, if you don't have enough population and it's a quasi-industrial area, are you going to make money? The answer is no, you're not. So why would you put a store there? You can't. It won't work. Long term, it's a loss. Now, there's plenty of places up and down Highway 5 where maybe, just maybe, you could put a small grocery store in. But again... Bigger's better, right? We're talking about the zeitgeist of the day. Um, Who's going to put a little rinky-dink store in that you can't make money with? And then when you do put that little tiny store in and you have to charge more for the products that you're selling to make up for the other problems with that small store in that location, then you're a bad person (laughs) and you hate your neighbors and you're mistreating them. Hey, but don't worry as the gentrification continues on East of Highway 5 there and the new city hall opens up and people get pushed out and pushed around. I'm sure you're going to get some nice little grocery stores or um, convenience stores popping in there, which will be nice for the people that are there. But again, if you can't walk more than a half mile to get to highway five. I'm not sure that the people that need access to that are going to be able to walk over to the city hall any easier. So now that I've spent 10 minutes, 12 minutes or whatever, getting into 
what the issue is, acknowledging that there is something to be said about the issue. And some of it's plain economics. Some of it is just tough location, but there are legitimate issues and legitimate reasons why they're not there. Okay. So now let's, let's consider what could you do to fill the hole short of 118,000 square foot operation. I would surmise there's probably an old building or two east of Highway 5. I would likely surmise that you could probably get a zoning pass to convert it into a storefront, much like they did with Dempsey's just off the square, right? And you could put in a convenience store. Now, I'm fairly certain Dempsey's is targeted to a different clientele than what we're looking at, but just bear with me for a minute. So we we go in and say we're going to put it on, oh, let's see, let me check the map here. Let's put it on Greenville Road. Greenville and we'll say west of airport. Or 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 we could, I mean, nah, we're not going to go all the way down to El Dorado. Most of the people that live there uh, are either semi-rural on purpose or that's warehouse district. So where the people live is going to be pretty close to, mm, let's call it, we're going to stick with Greenville. They're going to be between McDonald and airport, south of Greenville. That's where the majority of your population is and uh, that are in need of this service. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to find a building there and we're going to go in and we're going to put in, um, let's call it a meat market, right? So I know from some of my trips over there, there are people that grow their own chickens. There are there and, or raise their own chickens. And I think that's great, by the way. And if I had a place to do that, I might be doing it at this point in time as well. So I'm just going to surmise that you could set up a co-op there, whereupon some of these families that have a little yard could, I don't know, grow some chickens, but they're not going to mess with butchering them. They're going to trade their chickens in, or they're going to bring the eggs in, and they're going to trade it for something else. Maybe there's another family down the street that still does a little bakery, still does... um, I don't know, they do bread or maybe they do uh, pies or something. And they, they bring it into the co-op and everybody comes in there and they exchange different things. Likewise, you know, I mean, I don't know a lot, ton of people that eat rabbit, but maybe you grow rabbit and you raise your rabbits and you bring it in there. Or maybe up further up north, uh, they got goat and you can bring it in and you could have a butcher shop in there. Now, I don't know, we already got a butcher shop that's kind of high end over off the square, but we're talking about trying to make this accessible to the people, right? And it's a co-op and you bring it in and in exchange, uh, you bring in your, um, a chicken or 12 eggs and we're going to provide you with this grocery bag full of whatever. There are plenty of yards over there that can be used to grow different kinds of foods. Again, maybe you grow tomatoes, maybe you grow jalapenos, maybe you grow uh, peppers, maybe you, well, jalapeno is a pepper, excuse me. Maybe you're growing potatoes or sweet potatoes. I mean, I'm sure there's some houses over there that are growing corn in their backyard. You, you bring it in and you exchange it. Well, I don't, I don't need 50 years of corn, but boy, I could sure use a half a dozen sweet potatoes for a few years of corn. I mean, you could do this co-op thing and you could build up and then you have a reserve there, right? And then because there is a number of things that you know, people locally aren't going to 
be able to access. Then let's say, well, the farmer's market's over. Rather than those farmer's market people, you know, having to trudge that stuff all the way back home with them, they go sell it to the co-op at a discount, right? It's, it's cheaper to sell it to somebody than throw it away when you get home. So, so now when that farmer's market's over, the, the items that uh, were perishable, they take over there to the co-op and they either get a credit or they, they, they get paid, you know, cash, but it's at a percentage, right? You're, you're boosting the farmers that are in the area and maybe they become a regular client. Hey, if you'll bring in, you know, your greens or mushrooms or, you know, some of this other stuff, uh, we'll pay you. And you can dispose of the stuff you didn't sell at your farmer's market over the weekend. Because some of our clients can't afford your high dollar stuff. But I mean, if you're going to throw it away, we'll, we'll, we'll sell it for you at a, at a discount. You know, we'll pay you uh, 20 cents on the dollar, which is better than you throwing it away. And we're going to turn around and sell it at 30 cents on the dollar. Because remember, this is a building that you didn't get for free. You're still going to have rent. You're still going to have people that are working there. And even if they're all volunteers, there's still going to be costs involved with this because nobody works for free. They just don't. They want something out of it. And if you're smart and you put this in, I don't know, an old building that has its own yard, there's different things you could be doing within that old yard. Now, and just as an aside, you know, for years and years and years, I've always seen the pecan trees that are over on Wilson Creek in 75. Now, I think all but one of them are dead now, but every year they drop their mast. There's thousands of the pecans on the ground and people go and collect those and they sell them or they take them home and they make stuff with them. That's fine. That's great. But what about growing some of those over somewhere else on the east side and every year or every season you bring that stuff in hey you know i can't eat you know a ton of walnuts but here here they are and you can put it in the co-op maybe the co-op turns around and trades it off to another location maybe the co-op turns around and sells it maybe maybe you have volunteers at the co-op that shell it and bag it and sell it to another organization to make some money to offset their costs it could be done it has to be organized but there are options here. And in today's day and age, I don't think we have people starving in the streets, but there are some people that, you know, they have a tough life. They have, they have a rough time getting three good meals a day. I get it. I can respect that. That's a problem. We're offering solutions. It maintains their dignity. It gives them something to do. It gives, it provides buy-in and it's an investment in the community and they work together. Now, I would like to say that a church could take the lead on this, but it doesn't have to be a church. I mean, a community organization that wants to do it. I mean, I think I see six different uh, nonprofits involved over there already. Or maybe uh, there's a organization that used to be called 3E McKinney that my church is a part of. Perhaps they go and say, well, you know, let's go buy this building and let's work on building this co-op out through this organization. Um, I think the uh, former city councilman, Scott Elliott, is currently the chairman of the board of that organization. I wish I, wish I could remember the name of it. But he's been working on getting a 
like a grocery store over on the east side for quite some time. And we've talked about it. I mean, we're not necessarily on the same place on the political spectrum, but we both see this is an opportunity. We both see that this is a good thing and it can provide a valuable service. And we want to show the value and interest of the people. They could use this help. And if you go so far as where I'm going with this and you get the buy-in and you get the involvement, that gives them an opportunity to participate on their own. It, It gives them an opportunity to not only benefit, but to benefit others. It's both give and take. It's there. It's an opportunity. And if it's done well, it'd be fantastic. Now, as a, as an organization, I have no control over any of this. I, I, you know, I, I suspect that, uh, my political affiliations and where I stand on some issues would exclude me immediately from having any say or being involved with this. But I got to tell you, I'm very, very positive about what they're trying to do. Now, the catch is they're probably going to want to use some government money. I would be far more willing to put up my own money than have somebody else take my money and then turn around and give it to them. And depending on what's involved and depending on what's, uh, what's at play here, maybe I go donate some of my time. I could see there'd be some interest in that. And here's an even more holistic view of this. There are areas east of Highway 5 that are a food desert that could be a food forest. You see, if we had some creative uh, landscaping done, we had some partnership with some different people that are from the regenerative regenerative agricultural uh, worldview, they'd probably be able to come in and show us some neat little tricks and some different things that we could do to where we could make a food product that could be brought into this co-op that would benefit everybody that's involved again. And, you know, I I don't have all the answers, but I'm definitely interested in seeing something like this work. And I don't think the city is going to be able to do it. I don't think the city is the best operation. In fact, I think they will just get in the way, but there are nonprofits and we would be wise to encourage them, partner with them. If if you're a retired person out there and for whatever reason you're listening to me and you live in McKinney, hey, this is a perfect opportunity for you. I'm sure some of you actually have some really good skills that you could, I don't know, pour into this uh, food co-op. Hmm? Or maybe some of you gardeners out there, right? The Master Gardeners Association of Collin County. I'm sure there's plenty of little plots of land over there on the east side that people could learn and benefit from planting something in their own yard. I mean, I'm assuming at this point that they don't have regular jobs. They can't travel far, but maybe they can go out in their backyard and piddle around in the garden for an half an hour a day or something. I mean, if it's older people, they need to be active. They need to be involved in certain things. If it's younger people, think of all the things they could learn about biology. You could have an outdoor classroom in some of these yards. There are just so many options, but we have to look past the right left. We have to look past the RD. We have to look past the 
mm, knee-jerk reactions from both sides here. This is a, it's a simple possible solution, but it won't be easy. If it was easy, it would already be done. But again, I want to see it get up and running first. I, I want I want to see if an investment of my time or money is worthy of what's going on there. And I maybe that sounds bad. Maybe that that's callous of me. Maybe that's just rude. I I don't know. But I'm being honest. I mean, I acknowledge there's problems here, and let's look at what are other options to solve it. What what else could we do? How could we alleviate the problem without spending a bunch of government money on it that, quite frankly, isn't going to be tracked or have any good solutions, at least not long term? There are a lot of opportunities here to work together to do something. Coincidentally, the dark green in this map here on page 40 is the east side of McKinney, but... It's got a whole area in pink to the north and to the right that is not considered a food forest. I'm or a food forest, a food desert. I'm wondering if that's because they quote are getting the tap into uh, Princeton or if it's because they determine that they make enough money uh, on average, the median income is high enough that they're able to get around. That's interesting because I, I happen to know there's not a whole lot of grocery stores up there either. So it's an interesting map and it is a problem. I acknowledge I'm not sure how I'm not sure I agree with all that's at play there, but I I do value what they're trying to do. And I think that we would be wise to work together to come up with a appropriate solution. Oh, and apparently Apparently, they're going to be putting in a sprouts over on Virginia and 75. Uh, so that signage that I saw was real. That's fantastic. That is really nice. Well, that was it for my thoughtful Thursday. I really don't have anything more to say on this. And I want to revisit this idea of a food forest, right? Now I'm going to be getting into something that I know a little bit about. I probably get myself into more trouble than I would get out of with this issue. But, oh, I don't know. Eight years ago, I floated an idea in Myers Park to put a food forest in there. And I was told it can't happen. We don't want to do that here. But let me ask you. If you're on the east side of McKinney, or you live in a food desert, would you be open to somebody coming in and tell you how you could perhaps put in a food forest? Hmm? Would you be interested in seeing how could you take what is considered wasted land or uh, ruined land and turn it into a regenerative situation? Maybe create some ponds or something? I mean, look, none of this stuff is free. There's going to be a lot of sweat equity, but it could be done. It could be interesting to see it play out. I mean, again, if you've got the time and you've got the health and it's an opportunity, we 
have several people locally here that I'm sure would be more than interested to come to McKinney and talk to people about how we could get some of these things done. I'm on a first name basis with one of those guys. And I know a, a lady that does a lot of the same stuff. Actually, I knew two, two ladies and not like we're personal friends, but, but I've met them on occasion. They know who I am. I mean, this is stuff that if you're really serious, if you're interested of in ending the food desert and turning into maybe getting a food forest, building out a co-op and making something more sustainable, more regenerative long-term. Hey, I'm not that hard to find. It's according to Callus at att.net or my cell phone number, which is everywhere, 214-405-1852. Hey, give me a call. I would love to talk about this with anybody. We'll just set the uh, personal politics aside and we'll work out the issue at hand and we'll talk about different connections or introductions or whatever else that could be done here. I think there's an opportunity here. I, th- I think that long term, this could make McKinney better. It could make Holland County better, but people have to be willing to set aside their personal animus or their personal specific desire, what they want, and look at the bigger picture. We'll see. We'll see if I get any calls. We'll see if anything happens. Hey, but Scott Elliott, you're the man. Appreciate your uh, hard work on this. And, you know, give me a call. I'm happy to give you uh, some more free press. I'm happy to uh, assist with anything that I can to make this uh, go for you. And I know we've talked about this uh, in person. So I'm not not looking to pat myself on the back here. So and any of you out there that are listening to me, you need to look up Scott Elliott. He, he's the spearhead of this. He's the man that is working to get this done, and he can use your help too. So there you go. And with that, I will see you on the other side.